Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1234 Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. It is uh, U.S. Thanksgiving down in the States. The Oilers are going to hit the ice in an hour. Over at the Honda Center. This is Oilers Now, where guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. In three minutes' time, we're going to get to a conversation with Louis DeBrusque from NHL Hockey on Rogers. Uh, this text comes in from uh, Ed from Red Deer. Ed says, Bob, everybody's concerned about the Oilers' lack of depth, and we only have Hitch for a year. Why not bring up the kids, Yamamoto, Pugliarvi, Jones, and Bear, to learn under uh, Hitch and inject some skill that learns the right way? That one comes to us uh, from Ed. Um, this text comes to us from Andrew. Sunday should be fun. Too bad the uh, too bad Edmonton uh, did not have a chance to win the Grey Cup but should be a great football game. Well, more thoughts on that later coming up, Andrew. Uh, followed by a great Oilers win over L.A. We need the win uh, from Andrew. Well, first, the Oilers got to beat the Anaheim uh, Ducks. Again, you can text us at 630, 630. Uh, this text comes in. Bob, I'm still mad that, yes, the Poliarby got jumped by Corey Tropp in San Diego last Friday. Uh, poll I tried but was unable to exact any revenge. Somebody needs to teach Poliarby how to fight. He would be a beast. Um, this text comes in saying, Bob, keep JP in Bakersfield. I'd like him to get at least 20 games there. And when he's smashing the door down, then you bring him up. Hey, Leon Dreisaitl went down for six games and had two points and came back up. Now, injuries played a factor in that, but he never looked back. So, Pugliarvi will get his fifth, uh, fourth and fifth games in this weekend. And again, you can text us at 6.30, 6.30. Keep it coming on our Heartland Ford text line. Uh, do you want to mention that you can book with New West Travel? Join Oilers now, Oilers fans, on two great road trips. We're going to have one in Nashville, one in Vegas, to see in two of the most exciting NHL arenas in the league. This Oilers now package includes airfare, accommodation, great game tickets, including a private suite in Vegas, all your transportation, a welcome reception with myself and special guests, parking at Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport, limited space to get on these roadies to see the Oilers in Nashville and Vegas. For the Oilers now road trips, call the travel experts at New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. All right, every Thursday on Oilers Now, it's we have we have a tough show on Thursdays. We have Brian Burke for our friends from Canadian Power Pack, 
and we have Louis DeBrusque. And because we're doing this one over the phone, we took the liberty of uh, pre-taping our conversation. Louis, there's some interesting stories coming up. You're going to want to hear it. Louis DeBrusque. And we're joined by Hockey Night in Canada analyst from NHL Hockey and Rogers and the Oilers broadcast, Louis DeBrusque. Well, what a difference a week makes, Louis, for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, they have a new coach. We're in the middle of a uh, California road trip. Uh, first of all, just uh, now that we've had a couple days to decompress, your thoughts about Todd McClellan being relieved of the duties, first of all. Well, you know, I mean, this has been, we've talked about this quite a bit in the last couple of days, and I, and I know it's always a shock when a head coach gets changed in an organization. And I know from the outside looking in, sometimes it's an easy decision to make, but it's not. From the people that are making those decisions, to the players, to the, um, the staff behind the team, um, to the fans, it is. It's a big, it's a big decision to make to, to change the head coach because that's the voice the players are going to respond to and hopefully react to for the rest of the season. So I think Ken Hitchcock, though, was a, was a real wise decision to bring in at this, this stage of the game because we've already seen he's a, he's a veteran guy that's been around for a long time that has a real strong voice. He's media savvy uh, to deal with us. And here's the thing. He's done it before. He's shown before that he can step into an organization and very in very short order make guys understand what he wants them to do and what he expects of them. The message has been that. He's been very open. It's been kind of refreshing to listen to him because I think even Hitch over the course of his career has changed a lot too. I think he's learned a lot in the 21 years that he's been behind the bench as a head coach in the National Hockey League and he understands that the players today are different. He's always kind of adapting that way. Um, communication is key and I think that he's going to try and be as out front and, and and honest with these players as he can be, and I think they'll respond to that. He says the response so far has been very good in short order. It's a small sample size, but it's been a good start for him. He's been impressed with how they were able to come back in that third period and, and really put their best period forward and win a game against a tough team in San Jose. Do you think when you're a player or an ex-player, it's easier for you to understand that it's a business and maybe the outside world because that's just the way totally. hockey is. Like sometimes good people do get fired, you know. And, and well, a good yeah. person did get fired. Right. You know, a real good person got right. fired. And you know what? That's that's the thing that gets lost in this is that, um, you know that. It, it doesn't slow down. You know, this is a, a moving business all the time, and it never slows down. And when somebody gets cut, when somebody gets fired, when somebody gets released, when somebody gets traded, it doesn't matter. Um, it's an effect. There's no question about it. But you have to keep moving forward. And that's for everybody involved, including Todd McClellan. I have no doubt that if he wants to coach in the National Hockey League again, he's going to coach in the National Hockey League again. He's a very, very good coach, and he's a great man, and I, and I wish him nothing but the best. But you know what? This is the business of winning. And this team was fragile to start the year because of the season they had last year after making the playoffs two years ago. And you know what? That's That was the perception. Now, whether it's the reality in that room, it was the perception, and we know more than anybody being in the media business that when that starts to happen, it's panic starts to set in, and all of a sudden a decision has to be made. So that's been done. It's already been dealt with, and now... Ken Hitchcock is in there to be the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, and he's won his first game. And listen, it's still a lot of season left in, in, in this year, and I do believe that really did play the, in the part of the decision. I don't know that for a fact, but I do believe that was, because now you can he can kind of dig in and say, listen, we've got some time to make up ground here and do what we need to do. Uh, you and I were just talking a little bit ago about the fact that Pacific Division hasn't really been dominated by anybody well, yet. It's, it's the weakest it's, division. It's, it's up for grabs, which is, you know what, it's an anomaly 
normally, number one, because it's a Pacific division, because it's usually one of the toughest divisions in the NHL, but it's an opportunity. So that's the way this team has to look at that. This is an opportunity to dig in and really make some ground. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, Louis DeBras, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. All right, Louis, so uh, a couple things. Uh, let's talk about deployment. Ken Hitchcock got Connor McDavid's line on the ice three times in the first three and a half minutes of that game. Yeah. And Drake Kajula, I mean, Leon Dreisettle and Connor McDavid have been playing over 20 Drake's minutes again. Well but Drake got, Drake got over 20 minutes as well. He went to the whip early. He also created a heavy line with Milan Lucic, Kyle Brodziak, and Zach Cassian. So talk about running your guns out there early and often, and then a thought on uh, a new... A new uh, hammer line or grind line, if you may. Well, he called it an identity line. So we'll start with that first. And, I, and, and here's the thing. Pretty smart from, from my perspective when I look at it. Um, deploy your top players. Get them activated right away. Um, I'm assuming there was probably a conversation that if he's going to continue to do that, and he did talk about it yesterday, the day after the game, that if it's five on five, he believes that McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Kajula can go out there every second shift. In stretches. He has no problem doing that. He did it in the first period, did it in the third period, did it all game, really. And here's the thing. Um, I agree with him, but the, the key to that is you can't extend your shifts as long as Connor likes to extend his, sh- his shifts. You have to really be selective when you're going to do that. Um, but if he keeps his shift short, hard, you're up against different matchups. And he did get away from matchups early in the game, which was impressive to see because Peter DeBoer decided not to try and match that up. He played his third and fourth line against him. And I'm telling you, that will, that will hurt you if you continue to do that against McDavid. Number two, the big line that he put together, Lucic, with Brodziak and Cassian, he called it the identity line. I love that title because he said it's the line that he wants the other team to understand how we're going to play the game. They set the tone. They dial things in for the rest of the, the rest of the team. And I really do believe that. I think if you look at any really good team, they've always had a line like that. They don't necessarily have to be the biggest line, but they have to be a line that goes out there and really puts the opposition on their heels. Every single puck is deep. Every single puck is out. Every single check is finished. And you're hard on pucks. That means, and he called it the three-quarter theory, when you dump the puck, they dump the puck in, they go and change, your next line's on the ice, and now they're defending right away, so they never really get to get into the offensive zone. It can build momentum for your team. Um, I liked it. I thought they were really good. I thought uh, Lucic had a real good jump in his stride. I thought Zach Cassian was really moving his feet. He seemed to be... Uh, to me, the guy, the catalyst on the line, when he got his feet moving, was in on the forecheck, and he's a big, fast guy, turning pucks over, they can maintain possession, and they even had a few good chances. So, um, you know, a couple little tweaks that he's made already that have already been uh, significant differences, in my opinion, in the sense that the way the team feels about themselves, um, and that's going to be important for him. It's uh, it's the first game. It was nice to, to win that first one for him, but this is not going to be easy. He said that right from the start. This is going to be a challenge. It's going to be a grind, and um, but, but a good start to the grind. We should mention that Ken Hitchcock took over the St. Louis Blues. I think it was back in 2011, 2012. They were in last place in the Western Conference. Three weeks later, they were in first. Now, they had a 6-7 and seven record. They weren't bad, but guess what? The Edmonton Oilers' record was 9-10-1 and one when Hitchcock came aboard as well. And uh, my expectation is, knowing that Hitch's mentors were guys like Claire Drake, who played basically uh, a zone defense, a man within a zone, that you, you won't see the defenseman as an example defensively in the Oilers' zone, 
chasing uh, beyond the circles ever, and and that's part of the reason why he's able to lower the uh, goals against with most teams that he's been at is because he has support in front of that. He also talked about the fact that Connor McDavid might have to come lower defensively as well, uh, and he and he you know frankly he sold it. Well, no, it means he's going to get more puck yeah, touches, which, which is what he will, which, which he, will. he will. You know, so it's kind of uh, again, you know, Hitch is a is a tactician. He's kind of one of those guys that I think uh, mentally, you know, we joked about. It. We said he's got the perfect last name Hitchcock because you know Alfred Hitchcock was always trying to mess with your mind, and and I think you know Ken does the same thing. I think he really does. Um, you know, look at it from that perspective. Say, if I can, if I can peak a little bit of interest or a little spark in the mind of a player to say, you know what, you're right, I can do that. Then, you know, they'll go out there and they're gonna, they're gonna be excited to try the things that he's asked them to try. He's, he's a, he's a great seller that way, and able, and making a player believe that what I'm trying to do here is going to make you a better player. And often it does, and that's that's a real good quality to have. Um, we've all had teachers the same way, and those are our favorite teachers, right? They want, they, they kind of make, they bring the best out in you in that in that regard. So here's the thing, it can go either way, I understand that, but for Connor McDavid, listen, yeah, we want the, he wants the puck on He's saying we want the puck on his stick as much as possible, um, and why wouldn't you? Of course you do. I, I agree with him. I think you do want the puck on his stick as much as possible. In order to get that puck, come back a little deeper, swing through, um, get that first touch, maybe get the second or third touch when you're a little further up the ice, but you're setting it in motion by being there. So he's not saying take the puck and go through everybody from the defensive zone. What he's saying is be in a position to be a quick outlet that starts our transitional play. With your speed, you should still be able to jump by people and get that second or third pass. We're joined by Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers and Hockey Night in Canada. Bob Stauffer with you. You talked about teachers and teachers you like. So yeah. I'm going to get you to tell a story, PG-13, mm-hmm. uh, about a difficult time that you had with Ted Green. And uh, yeah. because you'd had a pretty good year the year before, and Ted was on you right away, and Ted scratched you a ton and bag skated you all the time. Yeah. And it did. Push did come to uh, head in that situation, didn't it? Yeah, it did. You know, we <clears throat> excuse me, we, we got into it in the dressing room and bought Boston, the old Boston Garden after a game and uh, he sent me down to Cape Breton and and uh, we got into a pretty you know verbal how old were you when this happened <laughs> I think like I was 22? like 22 yeah and we uh, we got into a pretty verbal uh, almost physical confrontation Ted Green I have, like I love Ted Green I, I, he was he was one of my favorite guys he, I have the utmost respect for him and um, you know this and this, he was this battle was out of love. It wasn't out of hate. Let's put it that way. But anyway, um, you know, we're going at it. The guys are separating us, and all of a sudden, a little door opens up underneath the stairs of the old Boston Gardens, and Glenn Sather steps out, and everybody just went, you know, <laughs> deathly quiet. And he called me in fairly uh, vigorously into his office that was underneath the stairs in the old garden, and uh, you know, we had a good conversation, and he wanted to send, you know, he said, listen. Um, I'll tell Ted that, you know, I'm not going to send you down to, to Cape Breton. And we should mention that at this time, yeah. there was more than 23 guys on an active roster. Oh, yeah. You, you could, could carry 26 yeah. or 27. They were calling guys up, and they were playing ahead of me in the lineup, and I was just I was just a frustrated guy. But, you know, he, Greeny was going to uh, – sorry, Glenn was going to override Greeny, and, uh, you know, I looked at him and said, you know what, I'll never be in his good books ever if you override Greeny. So – I, you can't do that. I, I have to go down there, right? Because he's the head coach, and I want him to respect me, and you know I respect him, and I just want I just wanted that relationship to get back on par. And uh, so he sent me down for a two-week conditioning stint, and it was great. I went down there, played five games in like seven days, and got called back up and was up for the rest of the year, and you know things were fine. But you know that was just a 
an old school coach, Ted Green, just really hammering home to me that uh, I just need to be better. I need to be more prepared. I need to be better. And and you know what? There are repercussions when you when you screw up. And uh, I always respected him for that. He was he was the one coach for he me. He got too. fired that year, didn't he? He did. He got relieved. I don't really want to call it a firing because he just got relieved by Glenn because he was you know really he stressed. he took it a little too seriously. Yeah. But that was the intensity that he did everything with. Um, and that's why I loved him too. Was you he know, loved his guys. Ted Green was the kind of guy I used to always say. You know, I had a hard time with coaches that I felt weren't necessarily physical, tough guys that you know always wanted to deploy me in that role. Whereas with Ted Green. I respected him. Every single time he grabbed me, he would get fired up, and he would almost throw me over the boards. I never had a problem with it because I knew 100% that if Ted Green could, he would jump over the boards and do the same thing. So it was like, no problem. I'll go. I'll, I'll take care of this for you because I know that you would 100% do it right now, and I don't want you doing that. So um, I always had the utmost respect for him, and I still do. He's, he's a great man. We should mention uh, Ted Green's nickname when he was a member of the Boston Bruins was Terrible Ted Green. Uh, he got clubbed over the head by uh, Wayne Mackey in a stick yeah. swinging incident. Vicious. One of the ugliest sticks, and uh, Ted ended up getting a, a plate in his head and came back and played after. Uh, about the only guy that really did a number on Ted Green over the years was John Ferguson, who was the Milan Lucic. Yeah, he was the Milan Lucic of his era. John Ferguson in the 60s, for our younger listeners, oh. he, he was. He swung from downtown, he was, and he could play, too. He was, you know, it wasn't, he never went into a fight thinking whether he was going to win or lose the fight. He just wanted to figure out how many times he could clobber you. Yeah. Like, he honestly went in there so focused on putting you down. Um, another funny Ted Green story, <clears throat> well, two of them. Number one, real quick. You know, he had both of his knees operated on, and he came in and he hobbled into the dressing room, and we felt there's no way he's going to be on the bench. But you know what? He wrapped up both of his knees and stood on that bench after having knee surgeries for the whole game, didn't miss a beat, and that just goes to show you how tough he was. And then another time we were, we were in the back uh, weight room lifting weights. Luke Richardson and I were doing some cleans, and we were doing some some jerks, you know, lifting weights over our head. And I, I can't remember what we had on the bar. It might have been like 155 pounds. But... Ted Green walked by. Now, at the time, remember, he was close 50. to 60 there yeah. at that time. Yeah. 55, 57. And he, uh, you know, had obviously had surgeries and, he, you know, his body was not in, in the greatest of shape as far as the battles that he went through. And he turned around, he came back, and he grabbed that bar. And he just, like, old school style, went from ground up to shoulder and just pressed it. And Luke and I are both on both sides, like, you know, spotting, going, oh my God, this is going to come falling down. But he put it up, he slammed it down on the ground, and he goes, I knew I could do it. <laughs> You know, that's the thing. When he put his mind to something, he knew he was going to do it. And I was just, yeah. That's, uh, that was funny, though, because he comes back and he kind of shoved us out of the way and said, let me handle this. Didn't even know how much weight was on the bar, but he just knew he could do it. Oilers in Anaheim uh, tomorrow, Louie. And, uh, you know, the Anaheim Ducks, the team that eliminated the Oilers from the playoffs. To me, the Anaheim Ducks, and right now they're in third. They're a point ahead of Edmonton in the standings. They have played two more games. But to me, Anaheim's like, uh, they're kind of like... Um, you know, Michael Myers from Halloween. Like, they're never dead, ever, this team. Yeah. Like, they find a way to hang around. I mean, they don't have Camp Fowler and Hampus Lindholm right now. They're two best defensemen. But they do have all their forwards back. And they got John Gibson, who's really good in goal. 
they have Ryan Getzlaff. You know, yeah. let's face it, as much as you like with, with or dislike Ryan with, with Getzlaff. quite the Movember yeah. stash going, <laughs> yeah. man. It is. He looks like he should be right back in the movie Slapshot with that mustache. But you know what? Um, Ryan Getzlaff is one of those players that, you know, at any given time, he can just take over a hockey game. He's got some young fast forwards that are on the, in that organization now that he's worked with. Um, but for him, he's that guy that uh, when things get tough is typically when Ryan Getzlaff plays better. They're a good team. They seem to have had Edmonton's number, too. They're one of those teams that always gives them a hard time. They play them physical. They play them rough. I'm looking forward to this game for a couple reasons. I want to see how that identity line does against the Anaheim Ducks to see if they can go out there and physically put a little bit of uh, uh, pressure on them and push them back on their heels. And a defense core that's really banged up right now for Anaheim. That's where Edmonton has to exploit them. They have to make sure that every puck goes in deep, make them defend in their own zone. Don't allow them to play offense because that's what they want to do. And uh, we'll see what the speed of McDavid up against some of those young defensemen turns into. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, that is Louis DeBrus. This show keeps getting better. After a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, guess what? Brian Burke up next on Oilers Now. Brian Burke, Louis. <laughs> Old school. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.